of Jesus right through and through. And so can I get you to stand up on those feet, get those, that blood warming, and really lift your voice, and let's honour Hugh and Jane Marcos. Come on. Don't you hate when your laptop just says, no, we're not going to do anything. <laughs> just when you're about to start. Oh, well. You know, it, it's, it says in the Bible, don't forsake the gathering of the saints. Why? Because it's really important that we get together. It is really important. I mean, it's great that people are watching on, online but it's even more important to be here. It is just, <laughs> there's something in, in my world that I've, I've been missing over the last 14, 15 months. Now, Jane and I have had the, the privilege, I'll tell you a bit about myself, ourselves before we, we get going. I was brought up in a little, small seaside town. My parents had the local hotel. I worked for the opposition. They paid better than my parents, <laughs> right? If you've, ever, if you've ever worked for your parents, you know what I'm talking about. Um, at the, that hotel, it was a, a fairly classy hotel. I learned how to carry people's bags, open, open their car doors, take their bags out, help take them to the room. I learned how to serve them by waiting on tables. I learned how to cook and give them food. I learned how to clean dishes and clean up after ourselves. I learned how to do a bunch of other things. From there, Jane and I, we've run guest houses, we've run fish and chip shops, we've run world-class restaurants, winning Australia's Best Restaurant in 1990. That seems like a lifetime ago. <laughs> That's starting to date me. Isn't it? I, was, I was minus three then or something, yeah. Um, we've run businesses around the world. We've run tech companies. We've run... Um, finance industry, we've got forestry businesses, we've got a whole bunch of different things that we've done. So we've got a really, really diverse background. But people still try to pigeonhole and say they're this or they're that. Well, not really. I am who I am. Right? You are who you are. We all have a unique destiny, a unique thing that we're meant to be doing. We had a tech company that God asked me to sell which was interesting because out of that tech company, we funded a lot of stuff. We paid for a lot of things. We helped a lot of people. And he said, nope, I want you to sell it. After a time, I said, why? Why did you want us to do that? And he said, I want all of you. I want all of you. Since then, Jane and I have had the privilege of travelling to 107 nations. We've had the privilege of dining with leaders of nations eating with leaders of nations, but also dining with the poorest of the poor. We've been humbled when you sit in the middle of a community that has nothing, that they take an offering for you, they give you something there and you go, no, we're here to serve you. But you get humbled by that. We've been ridiculed, laughed at, celebrated and applauded, often for the same thing, often at the same time. And I've learnt that it's a matter of perspective that we go through. So it's truly humbling to be here with you today to share. Matt, Pastor Matt and Anna, thank you. Thank you for the invitation. Thank you for being such great friends. Thank you for allowing us to be part of your life and you to be part of ours. Um, I love eating around your table. <laughs> Italian, right? Food. <laughs> it's great. You know, and when Anna was up saying it's cold, I could actually hear her father's voice saying, we'll put some socks on, Anna, <laughs> in an Italian accent. You know, like, don't be complaining about being cold and you've got bare feet, you know. Anyway, so Matt asked if I would speak on money. And, yeah, you get excited about money. And I thought, 
Really? You really want me to speak about money? He said, it's okay, we're doing the EQ series. Next week we'll fix up any mistakes you make. <laughs> so we are. We're going to talk about money. And money in a church, we'll invite someone else in to talk about money. Why? Because money's not handled well in the church. We've made mistakes about it. We've done interesting things. And I think there's a couple of things running in the church. One is a poverty mentality. And the other is a prosperity gospel. And I think you got them both wrong. I think they've both missed what God was actually saying and what he's been telling us. So I'm going to go back and walk through some of that journey. And let's see if we can work through some of that stuff. Because what if we became the people that God wants us to be and we handle money the way he asks us to handle money? What would happen? What would that be like? So let's have a look, because I'm not going to even use that thing that just died. It was sitting there nicely all through worship. It was behaving, and I get up here, and it's just dead. I'll pray for it and lay hands on it later. But, you know, money's one of those interesting, interesting subjects that we sort of skirt around. So let's have a look. We're going to go to that first slide. Or not. There we go. Let's start. Was Jesus rich or poor? Wow. Now that's an interesting place to start, isn't it? Was Jesus rich or poor? But just before that, let me tell you a story. There's these two guys on a private plane. And they're flying between Fiji and Hawaii. But the plane has some engine problems. And it goes down on a deserted island. It crashes. It's gone. There's no black box, there's no radio, there's nothing. There's the two men on this deserted island. Nothing. One of them's in a panic. He goes, we're never going to get out of here. The other guy goes, it'll be fine. He goes, no, but you, we can't get out. There's no plane, we've got no radio. We're never going to... It'll be fine. He goes, no, you don't understand. We won't, we're going to die here. And he said, listen, can I tell you something? What? He said, I earn $100,000 a week. And I tithe. Do you think my pastor's ever going to stop looking for me? <laughs> mm. So what we're going to go through today, or we'll touch on, is I'm going to talk about tithing. I'm going to talk about sowing and reaping, giving, and paying a person, person what they're worth. I don't think we'll get time for saving and investing, and probably won't get time to talk about my view of the economy. But we might be able to touch on that. We'll see how we go. If not, Matt might let me come back another time. We'll see what happens. So let's start off. Was Jesus rich or poor? Now, what happened at the cross? What happened at the cross? The soldiers gambled for Jesus' robe. Why did they do that? Why did they gamble for his robe? Because it was a one-seam robe. A one-seam robe. Now, the one-seam robe was worth a lot of money. Normally, lots of things sewn together. But a one-seam robe worth a lot of money. Now, it was normally for the wealthy and the rabbis that would have a one-seam robe. Jesus had a one-seam robe. But what happened to Jesus' birth? Let's have a look at that. At Jesus' birth, they bought him gifts. The kings, they said, it says they bought caravans of wealth. Caravans of wealth. Now, depending on your theology, depending on where you sit in your theology, in the Jewish heritage, they bring gifts for two to three years. Two to three years that they keep bringing those gifts. So, you know, there was a treasure chest of wealth. Now, let's have a look. What happened to that wealth? What does it say in the Bible about that wealth? What does it say in Jewish history about that wealth? Where did it go? What did they do with it? Because Jesus lived at home till he was 30. Right? He didn't buy a house. He didn't have any debt. He didn't have any, pe any bills, no petrol bills, no car bills. He was the first millennial. <laughs> True. True, 
she lived at home, he was still there, right? He's got all of this wealth. But what happened at the temple? Jesus was 12. They couldn't find him. But he went to the temple. Now, how did he get into the temple? To go to the temple, you either need to change produce that you had, you had to, or if you had Roman money, you had to change Roman money so that you could pay a temple tax. Well, where did Jesus get that money? Perhaps he was born with it. Perhaps he had it all the time. And then what about when Jesus went outside to talk to the disciples? And he's outside and there's men fishing on the boat. And Jesus says, hey, why don't you come follow me? Why don't you lay down everything you've got and come follow me? You think the disciples said they looked and saw this man in a one-seam robe? Because what would happen in those days, the rabbis would take people and they would look after them. It was a rabbi's responsibility to provide for all their needs. So when they looked at Jesus and saw a one-seam robe and they looked at their fishing boat, which they hadn't caught fish for three days, and they said, hmm, he'll take care of me and he'll look after me and he'll supply all of my needs. And what about the story when he sent them out and said, take nothing extra with you? Now, I've heard this preached in churches. They stop there. They say, take nothing with you, and they stop. Because the word, what the word actually says was take nothing extra with you. Don't take a bag. Don't take, you know, no traveler's bag, no money, nothing extra. Nothing extra. Now, in this day and age, how many have got a mobile phone? All the kids should have two. Yep, no. right. My mobile phone goes everywhere with me. But if Jesus didn't say not to take it, I would assume that I'm going to take it with me. Right? He said take everything, don't take nothing extra. So just what you've got, what you're carrying with you. My phone goes with me all the time. I forgot about those. Today we're going to unlock some things. That's what the keys are there for. Let them sit there because they're getting heavy. So, I said take nothing extra. And then what about the story of... Then the disciples said, oh, we're we're not quite sure that you're going to be able to provide. And Jesus reminded me, he said, remember when... I sent you out and say nothing, take nothing extra. Did you need for anything? Did you need for anything? No, because it was there and it was provided. But the disciples had forgotten the provision of the Lord. They said, no, we don't remember that. Jesus was reminding them so that when you were out and I said, go with nothing, you still didn't need anything. You still didn't need And then what, when, when Jesus was ministering and there was 5,000 and the disciples came to Jesus and said, we need to feed them, they're hungry. What did Jesus say? He said, you feed them. And they said, but Jesus, that would cost a fortune. There are so many to feed. Why didn't Jesus use his money? Perhaps he didn't want to use his money at that time. Perhaps he just said, well, I want to test your faith. Now, then he used a young boy. He said, I'll take some loaves of bread and some fishes and we'll create this feast. Now, I believe that if there was a Maccas there <laughs> that day, seriously, they, Jesus would have gone out and just bought 5,000 Happy Meals or cheeseburgers or something because I believe they had that sort of money. It, <laughs> Okay, he's got a KFC. (laughs) I believe Jesus had the sort of money that he could do that, that he could go, yeah, we're going to fulfil that. We're going to do that with the money. And then how many of you are in business here? 
How many run a business or a couple of you? you know, how, how many of you have got a treasurer or a, an accountant, right? <laughs> you know, I've got to tell you something. When I started running a business, we didn't have a treasurer. We didn't have any treasure. We didn't have an accountant to count our money and things. We didn't need any accounting. We didn't have anything. But Jesus had a treasurer. Why? Because someone had to look after the money. You know, Jesus may have, sorry, Judas may have stolen a little bit out of it, you know, just taken a bit of cream out of the top every time it came in, which wasn't a good thing. But Jesus had a treasurer. Why? They had something to treasure. But what if it, what if it's on there? And then we come to tithing. So that's, was Jesus rich or poor? Now guys, you make your own choice on that. I know what I believe, but you've got to weigh it up. You've got to go and do the research. You've got to pray and you've got to understand in your own mind, settle it yourself, whether was Jesus rich or poor. And then we get to tithing. Now, I didn't grow up in a church. I started going to church um, later. But the tithing message was always an uncomfortable message. You'd hear Malachi 3, and most of the time you heard 9 and 10. You tithe, you'll be blessed, everything will be good. But that wasn't what I was seeing in the church. It wasn't what I was seeing. I wasn't seeing people getting that. And I was seeing people upset because that's what they were told. But that wasn't happening. It wasn't happening in their world. I thought, well, you've got to look a little bit deeper. You've got to look a little bit deeper. And when I looked at that, I found that God was angry. God was angry about this. Why was God angry? He was angry because he said, you have robbed me of the tithe. You have robbed me. Wow, that's pretty harsh. But if you read it closely, it says, bring the whole tithe into the storehouse. Now, in Jesus' day, it's an agricultural community. He was talking to farmers and agricultural people. What did it mean by bring to the storehouse? Because if we've got a tithe to the storehouse, we've got to understand what the storehouse is. The storehouse is a place of receiving and giving out. Receiving and giving out it's a place of distribution which is why I've got no problem sharing this message in this church because that's what it is you guys have got the helping you've got the food basket you've got the help in the community you receive in and you give out you receive in and you give out you're a healthy place of distribution to help others in the community that's what a storehouse is bring the whole tithe into the storehouse now when I, in churches, I've heard, don't test God. But here it says to test God. He says, test me on this. And he says, if you do this, bring the whole tithe into the, tor- the storehouse, I will do that. What's the that? He says, he will make your vats and barns overflow. Now, think about that. Storehouse on one word, vats and barns on the other. They're different words. What does it mean? It means that if you tie to the storehouse, the place of distribution, then the other things get filled up. But see, some of us go filled up, overflowing, outpouring. Some of us think, well, hmm, why aren't I getting the that? Well, you haven't done the this. You need to tithe to the storehouse for that barns to overflow. And then, look, you can't just read Malachi 3. So I should have said earlier, when I read the Bible, I tend not to read by numbers. Right? The Bible wasn't written with numbers. It's put there so that when pastors are talking, they can say, go to Malachi 3.9 and you know where to look. So don't read it with numbers. Take the numbers out and keep reading. And then if if there's something in there that says, if, then, but, therefore, keep reading. You know, if you do this, then this will happen. 
It's called a conditional event. But some of us don't do the if you do. Right? So, and then if you keep reading on Malachi 3, like read the whole thing, but you keep reading, there's verses in there. He says, then you will again see the difference between the righteous and the wicked. Oh my gosh. That's enough to get your attention. Well, it's enough to get my attention. Because God says there's a difference between the righteous and the wicked, depending on what we do. That got my attention, in a good way, in a good way, to look through. And then we talk about sowing. And, you know, guys, this is where that whole prosperity message has got it wrong. And we've done so much damage. It says... If you sow, you can. If you sow into me, you will reap a thirty, sixty, hundredfold increase. You know. Think about it. If I was to go to Anna and Matt's and plant out their veggie garden and fill it full of nice veggies and stuff down under their new veranda area there, who's going to re- reap the harvest? They are. Just think through that. If you sow into me, I will reap the harvest. We've done a lot of damage around the world with that prosperity gospel. The African nations, you'll have preachers going, going, you sow into me, we'll get 30, 60, it's ruined nations. It's ruined what God's gospel has said about it. Don't get me wrong, there's nothing wrong with being prosperous, but being prosperous the right way. So, being prosperous the right way. God loves a cheerful giver. But sowing and reaping, the law of sowing and reaping. This is a really good one because he reminded me about this verse in our forestry plantation in Cambodia. So, just a little aside, I'm actually really honoured and blessed. My two best friends, David and Wendy, uh, Wendy Drake, we've had the privilege of travelling around the world and doing things, have come because we were speaking today. That's a great honour. But that's sowing into us. Um, and it's funny, the last time we actually shared on stage together, we were in Brazil. This might go crazy later on. We were in Brazil and we were sharing and then it came to the ministry time. Uh, we started at 7 o'clock at night and that ministry about 8.30. There was about oh, 100 people in the room to start off with and it went crazy that night. It went absolutely crazy. But people were ringing and saying, you need to get down here. So this, and so more people were coming and arriving and people were going and they were ringing and more people were arriving. At about 1 in the morning, they pulled us out of there going, okay, time to stop. <laughs> You know, ah, might be a long lunch. We'll see what happens. <laughs> so thank you, Dave and Wendy, for coming. How's that picture going, Jan? Uh, you're, you're right, that's the best part. So God loves a cheerful giver. He loves us to be able to give cheerfully. Now, when I was preparing for today, God said to me about there's at least one but possibly three people that this morning you prayed and said God I just need something I need a sign but I can't pay a bill I've got a financial need I've got something I need to do and I, I, I can't pay it now I was that person I was that person 25 years ago, we couldn't pay a gas bill. We had a young child, couldn't, couldn't pay a gas bill. It was about this time of year. It was cold. They were threatening to disconnect. We were in church and somebody came up to me and said, I feel the Lord said you need to have this. And they gave us enough money to pay the gas bill. And I got really excited by that. I got really excited. And then God said, give it away. Um, really? 
So I can pay my gas bill. And he said, give it away. It'll come. But I feel that there's some people here that have got a financial need. And I don't want to embarrass anybody. If that's you, it's a bit hard for you people who aren't here. <laughs> if that's you, come up and get that. If that's you, at any time whilst we're talking, and if there's more, we'll replenish. Just come up and get that. Don't feel embarrassed about it. Sometimes, you know, the Bible also says that if we can provide the needs for people and look after them, we should do it. God says, loves a cheerful giver. Now, back to sowing and reaping. When you sow, sow where you expect to get a harvest. So if you've got a business, sow into your business. Add fertiliser, put manure on it. Sometimes it's a bit like that. It, it's, you know what I mean, right? It, when you've got a business. But you sow there, you work there, you spend your time there and you reap a harvest. Some of us say, oh, we're just going to sow but not put the fertiliser on, not do the work and we reap a, want to reap a harvest. That's not what it says. The Bible says, sow where you want to reap a harvest. You've got to do the work. If you want your children's ministry to go, sow there, spend time there, work there. If you want your music ministry to grow, sow there, spend time there, work there. If you want your youth group, you know, when parents say, oh, I really want that work, youth group to be vibrant, sow into it, spend time there, work there and help. Sow where you want to see the harvest. In Galatians it says, don't ever get tired of doing good. And I think that it's, it's talking a bit about patience here. And when the next verse we come on, we'll talk a lot more about patience. But it says, you will always harvest what you plant. And I believe this is in every aspect of your life. This is the 30, 60, 100 fold. You want to sow into your marriage? Look after your wife. Honour and love your wife. You want your children to grow up well? Look after them. Sow into them. Sow. Spend time with them. In every area of your life, the 30, 60, 100 fold, I believe it works everywhere. You know, the, the thing about God's principles and the Bible, everything is connected to everything. You say, oh, why aren't we getting blessed over here? What are you sowing into? Are you sowing into your family? Are you sowing into your church? And I know this church sows so well into the community. It does, you know, your food bank, your, your, what, what do you call that? The, the care net, right? It's growing. And there's a growing need. There's a growing need out there. Now, this is a verse there, and it kept talking about when you sow and 30, 60, 100 fold increase. But that's on fertile soil. And fertile soil, soil that's been prepared. And this house is great at preparing and doing. But when Jesus was alone, the disciples said to him, what was it you were talking about there about the sowing and the harvest? They've asked him again. They've travelled with him, but they asked again. And here is the answer. He says, what I'm talking about is you plant seeds by taking God's word to others. When you want the 30, 60, 100 fold increase, God, Jesus was talking about taking God's word out to others. He gave it by a parable of farming. It works in every part of our life. And then in this verse here, actually that's pay people what they're worth. I'll come back to that because I want to talk about 
Gen being generous, first of all. What does being generous look like? Being generous is like, well, there's some money there for people who may be in need. Being generous would also be like, you know, we had the privilege of travelling a lot and in America after a Sunday service, you go out for lunch. America, they don't pay wait staff the wages we get paid. They pay them buck fifty, two bucks an hour, unless they're in California. That's a different thing. But they live on their tips. And people go, well, I don't want, you know, I don't want to serve the Christians because the Christians come in <laughs> and don't leave a tip. But what would it look like if you went out and said, oh, we're going to have lunch today, we're Christians, and we're going to pray and bless our food. And your server, and you say, is there anything you need prayer for? And they said, oh, yeah, I really need new tyres for the car. Well, what does that look like? It costs four or $500. And at the end of your meal, you leave a tip of four or $500. So a person can go and get their car fixed. And they'd say, why do you do that? And then you go back next week and you go to the same restaurant and the servers are all trying to get to your table. <laughs> well, it happens, right? It happens. But what does generosity look like? That you're driving down to the gas station, petrol station. Which country am I in? Petrol station. And in the petrol station, there's a mum with two young kids in the car and she's crying because she can't fill her car up with petrol because she's had a hard time. And while she's there, she says, well, you said, well, fill it up. And she says, well, how much can I put in? She says, fill it to the top. And do you need some groceries? Can I go and get something else for you? That's what being generous looks like. That's what Jesus talked about in being generous. And then we look at tithing, sowing and reaping. See, I talked about giving gen uh, generously and cheerfully. With the current tithe message that's out there <laughs> and the sowing and reaping message, no wonder we're confused and no wonder we stop giving cheerfully because we're not seeing the results. But when you do it God's way, it's so easy to give cheerfully, to help and to be a blessing to others. And this one, pay workers what they're worth. Pay people what they are worth. Now, I consult in businesses. We run a consulting company. Um, published a book this year called The New Normal. No, it was published in 19 called a new normal. Did something happen that we need a new normal? It's like, might have been my fault. Uh, yep, sorry. It's different for Jane and I. You know, with paying a worker what they're, they're worth, we consult in businesses and I hear people go, look, our company supports 20 charities. They're doing a great job. But no one in the company's had a pay rise for three years. And I've got to say, there's something wrong with that. There's something wrong with that. You need to pay people what they're worth. They're worthy of their hire. So if you've got people working for you, make sure you're paying them what they're worth. Make sure that they're tending the fields the way you want them to be tended. I, I love how it's put in, in the NIV. The wages you fail to pay, pay the workers who mowed your fields are crying out against you. Right? The cries of the harvesters have reached the ears of the Lord. Don't be the people that are running a business but not sowing back into your own people. And this one about Luke, we've all, we all know the story about this rich businessman gives the talents and says, I'll give 10 to you, 5 to you, 1 to you, and I'm going to go away for a while. 
And I think this is a lesson in patience. I think if actually all Luke 19 is a lesson in patience because Luke 19 talks about the coming of the Lord and we want it to happen now. But Luke 19 says, be patient about this. So they go out and we, we, we all know the story. You've all heard it. The guy who had 10, the, rich, the businessman comes back and said, what have you done with that? And he said, made another 10. He said, fantastic, I'll give you command over 10 cities. Said the guy who had five, what have you done with the oars? He said, made another five. Fantastic, I'll give you command over five cities. And the one who had one, he said, what did you do with it? He said, well, I know that you're a harsh man and I was afraid, so I buried it in the ground. And he said, you fool, get away from me. You fool, get away from me. Took it from him and gave it to the one who had ten. Now, there's a lesson in that, that if you bury in your ma- in money in the ground, it's okay. I'm likely to get it. No, <laughs> Matt's likely to get it. Well, you think about it, right? God's going to take it and give it to somebody who's going to do what they're meant to be doing with it. Right? So if you're out doing what God's asked you to do with the money, it's likely you're going to get more. And no one, you've all heard that, no one can serve two masters. You can't serve, <laughs> you'll hate one and love the other, or love one and hate the other. You can't be devoted to two masters, God and mammon. Now, if you're not sure about this one, go and have a look at Ezekiel 28. Ezekiel 28 is where God is talking to Satan and he casts him out of heaven because he said in in Ezekiel 28 that the devil is the root of all evil. And he says, mammon is the root of all evil. So those two things the same, the love of mammon and the devil, go and have a look yourself. Money's not a bad thing. And then, actually just before we come to that, let me talk just briefly what I think will happen around the economy. I was in... uh, Brazil last year, I was speaking at an economic summit. Now, for the econ- most people in the economy, economy around the world, they're governed and ruled, and it's a scarcity mindset. It says, if you look at economics, it's a study of scarce resources. In a kingdom economy, it's a place of blessing because God has more than enough, more than enough for us, more than enough for any circumstance, any time and I think that God is ushering in a kingdom economy I think there is a change that's happening when I was in Brazil God said to me what if economies of nations aren't because we measure them by a thing called GDP he said what if it means something different okay what does it mean and he said it means God's desired purpose so he's going to measure nations by how close they're coming to his desired purpose for that nation. And then he said, will you go and speak on it? <laughs> awesome. We did. We had fun. It was great. But I believe the economy is going to change. And we've got a thing called lockdown that happens. The government would like to tell you that our economy is fine. It's in really good state. It's the best it's ever been. But after one week, we needed an economic stimulus package. I suggest to you that we're in a different position than that. I believe that we're going to come to a place where we have an economic crash through nations. But God is preparing us for that, that we would be the people who are prepared, that we haven't stored all of the money away in storehouses, but we prepared the way that there is still food being provided, there's food banks in there, there's health. You know, what if God is saying that we are the answer? that we're meant to have the answer. What if he's pouring out finances into each one? What if he's pouring out the love into people? They're all connected. Everything we do is connected. And I can give you a little bit of homework as well. The Beatitudes. I want you to go home and have a look at the Beatitudes. Guys, 
I live like this. I, I tithe, I sow, we give generously, we do what we're meant to do. But God says we need to continue. In the Beatitudes, because God blesses those who are poor. Again, most people stop. Don't stop there. God blesses those who are poor and realize their need for him. So it's a poor in spirit. It's not a poor in finances. It's a poor because we realize our need for God. Go and read the Beatitudes and read them as a dependent event. That if I do this, I will, do, I will get that. And then let's look at the next one. God blesses those who mourn. And I believe God blesses those who mourn for their sin. Because when we look at our sin held up against the holiness of Jesus, that we would mourn for our sin, that we would be comforted. Because when we hold ourselves up against the light of Jesus, we fall very short. But they would mourn for him. And what about the next one? God blesses those who are humble, but they will inherit the whole earth. Can you imagine getting that place of being so humble? What if you were that humble that you have diamonds in your backyard? We inherit the whole earth. The whole earth. What if there's gold there? If you're in Texas, I'd say, what if there's oil? <laughs> you know, What if you didn't have oil? But you become humble and all of a sudden there's oil flowing in your backyard. If we were humble to inherit the whole earth. Because you, you, as you go through that, you know, I am humble, therefore I inherit the whole earth. That's what God says. He blesses you. How many people know people that are lucky? You know? They're so lucky, they're just lucky, lucky, lucky. I would say, blessed, blessed, blessed. That when you do what God says to do, the blessings pour out upon you. So I believe as we go through and do, when things happen around money, that if you tithe to the storehouse, you get unbelievable blessings back in you. That if you give cheerfully, you receive generosity from God. If you sow where you're doing the work, you will see 30, 60, 100-fold increase. You pay workers what they're worth, the judgment of God is held off. It says that. I believe that if you bury your money in the ground, I'm going to get it. No, someone else is going to get it to do what God's work is. If we follow these principles, if you follow what the Bible says, it's all connected. When we do business consulting, and I go into business and say, you need to do these eight things and your business is going to turn around. And they do four of them. And they come back and say... You know, it hasn't worked. And I go, add these next four and I guarantee it's going to work. Right? God says we do this and that happens. But it's all connected. It's all connected in everything that we do. I'm going to just grab... Rose, this is why you printed it out for me. Because... Modern technology abandoned me. <laughs> I, I said before, so funny, you know, I ran a tech company, a large and very successful tech company, right? And Jane buys me a laptop for Christmas. Like, <laughs> it's a really good laptop, it's, it's great, but it's not one of those ones that you have, Dave. It's a, I did get a Mac, it's going to continue to work, right? Yeah. You don't have to worry about that. But, you know, so in all of these things, guys, 
Tithe to the storehouse. It'll bring unbelievable blessing to you. Give cheerfully. You'll receive generosity from God. So where you're doing the work, and you get a 30, 60, 100-fold increase. Pay the workers the value of judgment, and you'll see an amazing, amazing thing. Bury your money in the ground. Someone else is going to. So just as we come through that, let me... Just get this. I just, I'd love to pray for everybody. Father, we thank you. We love you. We adore you. Jesus, we celebrate you. You are awesome. And Holy Spirit, we thank you that you're in this place with us. Father, I thank you for the opportunity of being able to speak today and ask that the people who need to hear it went direct into their soul. But Father, if there's anything that I've said that wasn't of you, Lord, let it actually disappear from this recording. Let it disappear from people. Father, that... You know, you would just miraculously take that away if anything I've said is not of you. And Father, the stuff that is of you, that that would fall on fertile soil and it would reap a mighty harvest in your name. And Father, there have been times in my world where I haven't tithed and I haven't been generous and I haven't given well. And Father, I... I was wrong and I'd ask that you'd forgive me and I ask every day you forgive me Father for when I'm not doing your will Father I ask that you would hold me accountable to become more like Jesus each day mm. and thank you Father Lord Jesus and Holy Spirit that your grace has made us one your dearly loved children. Jesus, be the Lord of my life today in new ways. Reveal to me the fullness of your majesty and authority at the Father's right hand. Glorify yourself by living your life in and through us. Change us any way you want. Wash us clean from every sin. Teach us to forgive as you have forgiven others. Fill me, fill us with your Holy Spirit. Fill us with wisdom, discernment, knowledge and understanding. Protect us from all evil, that we may not cause pain to others. Give us an insatiable hunger and thirst for you, your word and your ways. Make us an instrument of your love, grace and your mercy, truth and your righteousness we would be an answer to your prayers with others and that we could become one as you and the Father are one so that the world would know and believe that you have sent us use me and for these people that we pray whether they be here or whether they be online use them Lord to lead others into this commitment with you Father, that we would be the miracle that someone else is praying for. We would be the miracle that you've sent us to be. And Father, I know that money is a matter of the heart. Lord, but I know the more we give, the more that there is. And that we can't outgive you. Father, I know that Your principles are interconnected. Lord, and I thank you for this house. Father, I pray also that the 35,000 that was raised would just be a drop in the bucket. Lord, I pray favour over this house. I pray financial blessing over this house. Lord, you've said that 
with these keys. This key, the bigger key, Lord, is a key to finances. And Father, so I pray with this key that we would unlock the storehouses of heaven. We would unlock the storehouses of heaven, both individually and corporately. For all that are hearing this, Lord, that you would open up the doors. You would open up the doors. Father, with the keys, when things are on, you know, we don't need to knock when we've got the keys. We just open the locks. And you say that what we unlock will never be locked again. So, Father, we say thank you. We say thank you for the provision in this house. Father, we say that more money would come in for the help net, for the, the, the needs of the community. We say more money would be there for the school. Again, teaching the children in the way that they should go. Father, that there would be a financial literacy and a financial love, that it is not a place of embarrassment, but a place of great joy. Father, we unlock the storehouses of heaven upon this place, that there would be great provision. There would be great provision. If it's you that's online that has a financial need, I ask that you get in touch with Pastor Matt and Nana through the website. If that was you that wanted to, needed a gas bill paid or an electricity bill or some food on your table, or with somebody that you knew that we can come alongside and help if you would let us know that we can be that for you Jesus we love you when Pastor Anna was talking at the start of what she was looking forward to most and she said worship and what they do so well here, their music, is worship. It's wonderful. But it's a part of worship. What we do with money is worship. How we greet people is worship. How we do our job is worship. How we speak to our kids is worship. How we speak to our parents is worship. I'm looking forward to the worship. I'm looking forward to the worship. 